Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everybody's having a fantastic morning. Let's get this thing straightened up here. It is Tuesday, and I believe we are in one of the most exciting months of the year for several reasons and that's why we're um that's why this month is is special because not only is it the holiday season but it's a it's a time when we go all go back and we look at reflection what what is it the year has brought what is it that we're going to be looking forward to in the upcoming year. This is this is what we all kind of take and look at in the month of December. We look at the blessings, obviously in November, Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And then we move deeper into where we're going. And, and it's great because we're in John Maxwell's brand new book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Now, I am I am not a certified coach or teacher of John Maxwell's work. If you would like to hire somebody like that, then you can go to johnmaxwellteam.com and do that. Um, But I have a life of studying John Maxwell from my early 20s until now, over 20 years of studying what he has created, what he has done, getting to know members of his family, members of his team uh, that has worked with him the majority of their adult lives. Uh, being around John and and seeing that he walks his walk in public and in private, getting to know and and to to see how he is has allowed me, I think, to be able to be a a person that can dig deep into his books and share life experiences. Today we're in Chapter 4, The Law of Reflection. Learning to pause allows growth catch up with you. Peter Drucker, the the great management coach, wrote this. Follow effective action with quiet reflection, and from the quiet reflection will come even more effective action. Too many times in our busy world, we stop, or we don't stop, I should say. I have just containers full of three-by-five cards I've written stuff on, journals throughout my life. I believe that it's when we stop and reflect that we find out who we really are. John writes this. He said, There are many different ways of growing and an infinite number of lessons to be learned in life. But there are some kinds of growth that come to us only if we're willing to stop, pause, and allow the lesson to catch up with us. How many of you really do take that time? That time just to pause. How many of you have ever had a change in paradigm? John shares a story. He was in Kiev, the Ukraine. And it was one of his stops a couple of years ago where he was, he was going to be literally talking to over 5,000 businessmen. And one of the first things he did was just slow down and hang out with 
his interpreter. The interpreter said, I've read several of your books. You say that you want to add value to people, but that's not easy here because people don't trust the leaders. If you think back to the leaders that ran the Ukraine, it was under the the USSR, the Soviet Union. It's interesting. How do you how do you add value to people's lives when they don't trust? It was a wake up moment for John. And he realized that he needed to stop and think if he was going to deliver a message that was going to add value. And he asked himself three questions. He said, How was I feeling right then? He said the answer was sad. I'm thinking living under communist rule for generations have just beaten these people down, discouraged them, and made them cynical. Then he asked himself, what can I do? He said, I can show them my heart. For some of these people, perhaps no leader had ever told them he cared about them and wanted them to succeed. Then he asked himself, how can I do this? He said, I can let them know that I knew what their situation was and felt for them. I could tell them that I would be just like them if I had grown up in this environment. Now, he didn't completely abandon his his talk that day. But one thing that he kept doing is every time he would speak, and he, and he wanted to bring home something big, but yet it was going to be a little bit maybe controversial in their environment, he would say, I am your friend. By the end of the time he was speaking there, they were going around saying, I am your friend. See, if we change our paradigm, if we take time to reflect, let's just call it pausing. We can change our world. I'm not talking about the the world that we live in, the, the, the globe. I'm talking about your world, your everyday life situation. Here's some observations that John has written about over the years, but he put all of them in this book. And I've written them down personally. Number one, reflection turns experience into insight. Now that's important to think about. If people are going around saying experience is the best teacher, but yet they're not slowing down, they're not focusing, then it's not the best teacher. Julius Caesar, who ran Rome for a a few years, said experience is the teacher of all things. In Latin, that's that's de bello civili. Probably screwed that up. But think about this. It's not really the experience. We've all had experiences. But it's not until we slow down and pause and evaluate what we've gone through. We talk about the school of hard knocks. And why is it some people do it over and over and over again? It's because nobody's slowing down to pause. We have to reflect. And it's interesting, John shares another story. He says, I once heard that at the turn of a century there was a buggy whip factory that had made major improvements in their manufacturing process. They made the best quality whips and they were continuing to improve them. No other manufacturer in the industry could compare. There was just one small problem. They were working at a time when the automobile was being introduced and it wasn't long before the whole entire nation would change from horseless carriage to, uh, to to the horseless carriage. The company soon went out of business. 
They didn't pause and reflect. Second thing, everyone needs a time and a place to pause. Thinking for a change is a book John wrote, and he talked about that in there. I have a place at the beach where I go, and I also go by my pool in the backyard. I have spent countless hours at both locations studying, praying, meditating, pausing, and reflecting on a specific situation or my life in general. If you don't do this, you never see the flashpoints. John calls them life markers. I call them flashpoints in your life. They just fly on by and you don't see it. It's kind of like these fighter jets that are in the sky right now down here. Number three, pausing with intention expands and enriches your thinking. Studying the lives of great people who make an impact in the world. Here's what John has figured out. In every significant religion, the religious leader spent time in solitude. Every political leader that had an impact in history practiced the discipline of solitude to think and plant. Great artists spend countless hours in their studios with their instruments and their singing. But yet, home-based business people want to get rich quick. Think about that one. You wonder why in 90 days you're not where you want to be. It's because time to reflect hasn't been there. You haven't been long enough to really reflect about much, but you're trying to get it. And most of the time it's because you need money fast. You need something. That's why people went out this last week and bought Powerball lotteries. Even though the odds were going up, 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 and up, somebody had to win, right? So you went out and bought a dollar, five, tens, hundreds. Some people bought thousands of dollars and lost When you take time to pause, you've got to use your eyes. That's how John says it. And here's what the eyes are. Number one, you investigate. Galileo said all truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them, and that takes investigation. So you've got to investigate your experiences. What have you been through? Another eye is the incubation. You've got to take your experience in life and kind of Kind of put it in a slow cooker in your mind or a nice slow barbecue, if you will. And you got to look at it. you got to twist it and turn it. Put it on the spit. Something I learned a long time ago is I'll go to the beach and I'll pray to the Lord for 30 minutes and then I'll meditate for an hour listening to what He has to say to me. Most of the time, people that believe like I do want to keep opening their dadgum mouth never shut up to hear what He has to say. It's crazy. Another eye that John talks about is the in, uh, illumination. Jim Rohn once said this. He said, at the end of the day, you should play back the tapes of your performance. The results should either applaud you or prod you, one of the two. If you don't know what a prod is, go ask somebody that runs cattle because they got cattle prods to make the cattle or the sheep do what they want. The last one is illustration. Every great thing that we want to do comes as a skeleton. We've got to get meat on the bones. We've got to make it work. We've got to draw it out. It's the only way we can make it happen, folks. And to do that, we've got to ask good questions, and we've got to reflect on the heart. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I love being a, a thought leader in network marketing and influencer. 
But at no time do you hear me say I'm a giant promoter, I'm a giant prospector. Richard Brooks, who wrote the book, Four-Year Career, he's the CEO of OxyFresh 2110. He is a great promoter. He's a great recruiter. That's not my role. I have a nice team and a company called Ocean Avenue that we're building. But I'm not at the top of a leader's chart. Because my my goal, my whole role is is to help others grow, to be a thought leader. You need to find what you're a leader at and to do that, you have to take and ask yourself the right questions. In other words, you've got to get a personal awareness of who and what you are. My personal creed, you'll find Marines have creeds for everything. My personal creed doesn't say, I am the greatest recruiter in the world. Never does. It's not my goal. Do you even know what your goal is? What is it you're called for? That awareness. How can you grow if you don't know where you're at today? I want to give you some things in the last 15 minutes of the show that John wrote. I think these are great. Number one, write this stuff down. Number one, what is my biggest asset? Ask yourself that. What is my biggest asset? I talked about that in my accountability group today. We were in Matthew 20 reading through there. My biggest asset is my attitude. I may be one of the few people on this earth that actually read his Bible and believed it. Well, I know that's a controversial statement, but what I have found in in my my sphere of influence in, in, in conservative Christian circles is is people that call themselves Christians have a tendency only to believe the certain part of the Bible they want to believe. I learned a long time ago whether my leaders in my faith live their walk or not, the Bible makes pretty good sense. I ran I read this story once, didn't I think it may be the only story in the Bible. Well, no, I guess it wouldn't be. I guess I, uh, I guess Nehemiah doesn't really have any overt miracles in him, but Job certainly doesn't really have any miracles per se. He was a man that had it all and became a pawn in the story between good and evil. And God basically told the devil, if you if you believe the story. Hey, if you don't think this guy loves me, then you go do whatever you want to. Just don't kill him. So long story short, Job lost it all. His family, his money, his crops, his health, but he didn't die. But not one time did he blame God. And in everything that's ever happened to be bankruptcies, physical trauma, marital issues, Teenage kids not turning out the way I would have dreamed. Frustrations with my own parents. Doesn't matter what it is, business, personal, you name it. My attitude has been my greatest asset because I never blame God and I always look to ask the right questions. What can I learn from this? I learned it a long, long time ago. Number two. What's my biggest this is this is good. What's my biggest liability? Wow. My biggest liability. You know what it was when I was a kid? Unrealistic expectations. You know what it is as an adult? Unrealistic expectations. 
I want it today just like everybody else. So I understand, okay, that's probably not going to happen, so I'm going to have to bust my butt and work. I'm going to have to, to really flush it out and, and, and put it into a storyboard and, and, and get a scope of work and make sure I understand. So I've learned to modify my expectations. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, I'll be sitting here watching a Hallmark movie and think, oh, my gosh, I want a relationship with Paige like that. There's a reason they call it movies. There's a reason they call it fantasy and fiction. I'll read a Western and think, man, I wish I had a ranch that had 100,000 acres on it. Well, you know how much that cost? I'll go ask Ted Turner. He'll tell you. What is your biggest liability? Number three, what is my highest high? Without a doubt, it's my immediate family. Being married to a childhood sweetheart doesn't go without pain and frustration, without a doubt, but it's the greatest thing. I mean, I had a second chance, and I got to marry my soulmate after dating her as a teen. I've got some of the craziest, wildest, nuttiest kids, especially my boys. That None of the three of them turned out the way I would have wanted them to. They're going through the same hell I had to go through. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that. Watching my teen girls become the the girls that they are, the women that they're becoming, knowing that that, that Tessa just went through heartache because her boyfriend and her broke up. Oh, I wish I could have changed that, but it's the greatest thing. Jetty and, and him being the gift he is to me at nine and, and having another boy in the house, my, my three baby granddaughters that, that were raised in Jesus' family is my highest high. But you want to know what? The next question is, what's your lowest low? That's my family, too. Sometimes the ones that you love the most are the ones that, that can cause you the most heartache. But I've learned something. I've learned whether it's my highest high or my lowest low, it's always a growing experience. I'm always learning something. And I also realize now, based on my faith, what God must feel sometimes. Number five, what is my most worthwhile emotion? Love. I just love to serve people. I, I love I love myself. I love my friends and family. I love to go out and be able to, to provide and to do things. I love being able to meet new people, build new relationships. I, I believe love it is. I've even got people that don't like me, and I've learned that it's not personal, man. It's an emotional deal they must be going through. What's your, what's your most... I guess not most. Yeah, what's my least worthwhile emotion would be a good way of saying it. What is what is that emotion that you have that just is it just piss poor, it doesn't do anything to help you out? John's case it's self pity, mine's anger. Anger's never benefited me at all. It's not it's and I and and I'll be the first to admit I have anger issues. Over the years, and with the Lord's help, I've, I've been able to work through those. But, man, if you go back in my, especially as a bounty hunter and a, as a Marine, as a bail bondsman, that anger was always bubbling at the surface. I mean, that's when I got into my most trouble. So I know what mine is. What's yours? you got to look through. you got to understand. you got to dig deep, folks. This is This hurts. But all growth hurts. My, my jetty came in and said, Dad... 
my legs are hurting. Do you think I could have broke my leg like yours? I said, well, what do you mean by they're hurting? Well, I was out playing on my scooter today, and, and now every time I, I, I bend them, they hurt. I said, that's your muscles growing, bro. You're okay. Last night he comes in, Dad, my arms, my arms are hurting like my legs are. I said, well, let's think about what you've been doing. Well, I don't know. I switched my bed, and now I'm on the top bunk. I said, oh, so you're, you're pulling up that 98 pounds every day. He goes, yeah. I said, dude, look at my arms. I said, every day I work out. Look at, look at, see the, see the definition. Yeah. I said, now look at your arms and look what. He goes, Dad, it kind of feels like a good pain. I said, yeah. And you're working out and, and you're, you know, that's what it's about. See, it's, it's interesting when all of a sudden we get rid of that worthless emotion, we go back to love. Pain. It may hurt you to grow, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. Seven, what is my best habit? John writes something I want to share. He says, this is, if, this is from H.P. Linden. He's a chancellor at St. Paul's in London in the 1800s, and here's what he says. What we do on some great occasion will depend on what we are, and what we are is the result of previous years of self-discipline. See, one of my best habits is self-discipline. Every time I go through a situation, a trial, a tribulation, every time I have conflict with somebody, I make sure that my self-discipline kicks in and I start looking at where am I weak? What do I need to work on? When I broke my foot, my you know my heel, any of you that follow me know I broke my heel about six weeks ago in half. Actually, I think I did it the year before. I just didn't realize it. I jumped off of a nine-foot wall, full height. So I'm I'm six feet, so that's 15 feet, taking 220 pounds straight down. Because of the way the concrete was, I landed all that pressure on my left heel and broke the heel in two. It literally separated It's given me time to reflect. Self-discipline is, next time I won't be wearing Tom's shoes, I'll be wearing the right boots if I make that jump. So you constantly have to look at what is my best habit. My best habit is always to look back and to reflect on what I've gone through. Anything in life. That's why I have journals. I'll die one of these days and my kids will go through my journals and see where I've reflected where I've gotten angry, where I've been sad, where self-pity's come into play, but also where motivation and growth and passion has taken place. Number eight, the eighth question you've got to ask yourself. What is my worst habit? Now, I had to think about that. When John's worst habit's impatience, over the years, because of life, I've learned to, to have some pretty good patience. But I think my my worst habit is is shutting down, shutting out people. When when I can tell that that I'm in a no-win street with somebody, I just shut my emotions off. It used to be really bad with Paige because she'll tell you that when I shut down, it's not a pretty sight. I mean, you you add you add coldness to anger. And in the old days, you'd have somebody that could care less whether they lived or died. 
but nowadays I, I just I just shut down on people, and and I don't want to be that way. I know that's a bad habit, and I'm working on that. I expect so much from people, especially those closest to me. Number nine, what is most fulfilling to me? I can tell you that right now, serving other people. I get a bigger kick out of serving others than having them serve me. I want to help people. I want to watch them grow. I want to watch them reach their dreams, their goals, whether it's my kids or friends. That's what it's about. I've been at the same church now for over eight years. And it's so cool because we helped to find found the church. And, and I don't do anything in the surface. The majority of the people don't have a clue who I am. I just get to serve and be a stand in the gap, as so to speak, for the preacher and the crew. It's a blast. In network marketing, there's millions and millions and millions of people that's never heard my name, but yet the ones that have, I've been able to help in most cases. In one small nugget, they've gotten something to go ahead and fulfill their dreams. I get so many different emails and comments, it's pretty cool. The reason we do these radio shows is to pass that information on. Number 10, what do I prize most highly? That was another simple one for me, my faith. My faith is my number one priority. I'm constantly trying to grow closer both to God and to everything. We were talking today, and somebody said, you know, you, you, we, we Christians, we, we can't ever be like Jesus. My pastor said, yeah, that's that's right. And I said, you know, hang on a minute, though, guys. This is like a journey. I said, this is like going after success. I said, sure, we're no Jesus. We're not going to go out there and walk on water. We're not going to we're not going to go out there and 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 be able to save the world and give them grace like Jesus did. I said, but it doesn't tell us to go out there. And that we are going to be like Jesus. It says that we are to be like Him. We are to strive. I said, this is a journey. We should be striving to be like Jesus. I said, what that means is that every day we're going to be focusing with our attitude on other people like He did. You can put this on any great leader if you want to, spiritual or otherwise. Because great leaders don't focus on themselves. They focus on other people. And when you focus on other people, science has proven it's hard to be depressed. But too many times we just want to be in self-pity focusing on us. So ask yourself, what is what is it that you prize most highly? And it's my faith. Now, these are just some questions. Okay, we've got a couple minutes left. These are just some questions. But if you want to talk about it in relationships, then you could change those questions to say, you know, do I value people? Do people know I value them? How do I show it? What evidence do I do that confirms my opinion? If you if you wanted to to talk about personal growth, it, you know you could you could do questions like, do I know and practice the fifteen laws of personal growth that John writes about? What three laws do I do best? What are my three weakest? Am I growing daily? This is tough. Okay, there's no doubt about that. And you know what? Here's the funny thing. As you grow older, you say, I don't want to do that. I'm only going to be around a few more years. You know, if I'm lucky, God will take me home before Christmas. Pissy attitude, I'll tell you that. Growth hurts. Growth is painful. It's like Jetty letting his muscles grow. 
but it's what it takes if you're going to build anything worthwhile in life. That's just the name of the game. Man, I love this book. This book's great. Tomorrow, The Law of Consistency. This is going to be great. Folks, Troy Dooley here, the host of the Beachside CEO. You've been listening to this around the world on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive, tired radio. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.